right, I'm going to start out with uh, a little horror story, at least for me, maybe not for you. But uh, I was staring in a mirror, and as I was looking in the mirror, I was standing in front of it, and I could see myself. I could see what I looked like. And then I realized that we had another mirror behind me. The closet door was open. So as I'm looking into the mirror here, I'm <laughs> I could see the back of my head. I have never seen the back of my head. There's not a lot back there. There's not a lot of hair back there. Let's put it that way. It, there's a big gap. So I'm sitting there and I'm looking. Actually, I didn't have to turn around. I'm looking in the mirror and I could see behind me. I could see something that I would never, ever be able to see without that mirror. And this morning, we're going to look at God's word as the mirror to our hearts and to our souls and to our minds. God shows us who we really are, but more importantly, he shows us who he is. Now, I handed out some uh, scripture. These are just, take it home, take a look at it. These are just all the scriptures that happen to be part of the sermon this morning. So James boldly tells us the truth. The true mirror of our souls is the word of God. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword even penetrating as far as the division of the soul and the spirit of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart, of your heart and of my heart. Just listen to this other version. It says, God means what he says, what he says goes. His powerful word is as sharp as a surgeon's scalpel. Now, when we look at the word of God, it's uncomfortable. It can be uncomfortable, and that's probably why a lot of people don't open the Bible when they should or look at it when they should. So let's go to prayer. Heavenly Father, may we this morning behold wonderful things from your law. May you be that surgeon for our hearts, souls, and minds. May you not leave us the way we are today. May you change us for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name, Amen. Ezra 7.10 says, For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach his statutes and rule in Israel. Have I and have you set our hearts on the word of God? I know I have not set my heart on the word of God the way that I should. I know that. And I ask God to forgive me and I try to ask him to draw me to his word each and every day. You know, the, the first chapter we've been going through in James is beautifully crafted, and it's speaking about your maturity and my maturity in Christ, how we could be strong in Jesus every single day, and the world could see him through us. But it's through trials and tribulations. There's not one person looking at me right now that doesn't have something going on in your heart and your soul and your mind right now that's it's a struggle. It's a difficulty. Please, I, I beg you to call on the name of Jesus. He will help you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. You know, a Christian does not come to Jesus without trial. It, it's just the, the normal way. I distinctly remember, I remember I was trying to get away from God as much as I could. I was going to Suffolk Community College. I was failing out. I was pretty much the same history I had in high school, same thing in Suffolk Community College. My father had to come and sit with them and beg them, like my mother begged in high school, please don't kick them out. And then I said, well, I'm done. I'm going to Colorado. I got on the bus, and I went to Colorado. Do you know every time I turned on the radio in Colorado, somebody was speaking about God? 
could not get away from the Word of God. You know, we've asked a couple of questions in this series. It is, do you love God? Do you trust God? And today is, do you obey God? And more uh, succinctly is, do you obey God through his word? I just want to back up a little bit. So we're doing verses 19 to 27. But as I looked at it, you really can't look at that unless you look at verse 18. Verse 18 says, in the exercise of his will, he gave his birth by the word of his truth so that we would be a kind of first fruits among his creatures. See, we are regenerated by his word, by his Holy Spirit. Listen to 1 Peter 1.23. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. Amen? We have this word that God has given to us and has changed us forever. I remember and feel excited. I remember feeling excited, as I told you, as I was in Colorado, and I hadn't accepted God then. I hadn't accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior then. But I remember once I did, and once I started reading the Word of God, I think I've shared this before. I'd be driving (laughs) with the Bible on my steering wheel. Not the best way to do it. And just, I mean, I did it a couple of times so I almost got into a fender bender, and then I stopped doing it. But it was that much of a drawer for me to read his word. And just thinking about on the road to Emmaus, the two friends walking and talking. Do you know Jesus comes to them? And God himself, Jesus, preaches to them about the gospel through all scripture. Is that one of the most amazing things you could ever hear or ever read? I would love to be in that situation. Our first point, hear God's word well. We want to hear his word well. James 1.19, you know this, my beloved brothers and sisters. Now, everyone must be quick to hear, quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For a man's anger does not bring about the righteousness of God. I love other versions of the Bible because it helps me. It opens it up so I can understand it. And this is, this is great. It says, Post this at all the intersections, dear friends. Lead with your ears, follow with your tongue, and let anger, and let anger straggle along in the rear. God's righteousness does not grow from human anger. You know, I also mentioned when I was preaching through this before that um, a commentator said James is like a punch in the stomach. And every once in a while, you're going to feel that punch. How do we hear God's word? Well, Ecclesiastes 5, 1 to 3, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Draw near to listen. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifices of fools. For they do not know that they are doing evil. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter the word before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth, therefore let your words be few. We must, in order to listen to God's word well, we must run to it. You must desire it. You must crave it. You must meditate on it. You must want that more than you want anything else. Psalm 1, blessed is the person who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the path of sinners nor sit in the seat of scoffers. 
But his delight, his delight is in the law of the Lord. Is your delight in his law, in the Bible, in what he has to say to you? He's meditating day and night. You know, the definition of listen is make an effort to hear something. Are we making an effort to hear? Not just hear. Yes, you can come and you can listen to to me speak and to other people speak, but are you listening at the other times that you have in your life? Psalm 119 says, How I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandment, sorry, I get ahead of myself. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, and they are ever mine. I have more insight than my teachers. Amazing. Listen to what God's word is saying. So I also thought of this, too, because I shouldn't love coffee, but I do. Actually, I don't, it's not a good thing. My, we have a story in my house where my brother Mike and I were traveling, and um, I said, Mike, do me a favor, just get me decaf, because I'm not, it's 8 o'clock at night, there's no way I can have caffeine. So he orders me a decaf, and we're driving in the car, Maybe 10 minutes go by, and I'm like, hey, look at that thing. Well, look at that thing. Hey, what's up with there? How you doing? My brother's like, I think she gave you regular coffee. I was like off the charts crazy. But I think of Starbucks. I, if you work in Starbucks, you have to listen. You know why I know that? Because every once in a while, I'll say to my employees, I'll say, would you like some coffee? And I'm just going to share with you some of the things that they ask me to say when I go to Starbucks. I would like a Trenta. I don't even know what that is. Vanilla cream cold brew with four pumps of sugar-free vanilla, three pumps of caramel, not done yet, one Splenda, one extra shot, a tall non-fat latte with caramel drizzle, a grande ice sugar-free vanilla latte with soy milk, triple venti soy no foam latte, a non-fat frappuccino with extra whipped cream and chocolate sauce, a grande quad non-fat one pump no whip mocha. Come on, if you're working at Starbucks and you don't listen, you're toast, you're fired. Imagine just handing this stuff out to people, and you should see me as I pull up. You all know this, your window goes down, and they say, hey, how can I help you here? And I'm like, uh, I would like a Trenta. What? I would like a Trenta. What? I'm there for like an hour and a half. You need to listen. I was uh, going through some commentaries, and my wife had this in the back of her book by Elizabeth George, and it said that if you don't have anything nice to say, then don't say anything at all. And then this quote underneath was laugh out loud, maybe now you know why I'm so quiet around you. And right now, you're probably thinking, you know people who talk a lot. And you're probably saying, I wish they wouldn't talk so much. But that's not what God's talking about here. Everything I'm speaking about this morning is about the word of God. It's about listening to it. And you can't listen to it, you can't hear it, if you're talking. Psalm 46.10. I love this. Stop striving and know that I'm God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted on the earth. Stephen Curtis Chapman has a song, Speechless. It says, be still and know that he is God. Be still and know that he is faithful. Consider all that he has done. Stand in awe 
and amazed. And know that he will never change. Be still. Be still and know that he is God. Be still and know that he is God. Be still. Be speechless. How hard is that to do? How hard is that to do? It's, it's a hard thing because when people, you know, when they're talking, you want to say something. It, it comes in your mind, and I always say, oh, my gosh, if I don't say it right now, I'm going to forget it. i got to say it. Now, when we're thinking about this, it doesn't mean that you can't speak for God. It doesn't mean that. It just means you need to be slow to speak. It's interesting because the other two points in there is quick. It's slow to speak, and the other two are quick. It doesn't mean that you can't talk for God, but it does mean that we need to be thoughtful and concise in what we're going to say when we're speaking about the Word of God. Be careful. Not The other point of it is when we think about interesting when you read the word of God it also says that you really shouldn't be pushing a lot of people to teach first Timothy 5:22 says do not lay hands on anyone too quickly and thereby share responsibility for the sins of others keep yourself free from sin James says do not become teachers in large numbers my brothers since you know that we that we who are teachers will incur a stricter judgment so important to understand that what you say when you're speaking about the word of God, can have an impact for eternity on people. So we need to understand that we shouldn't be jumping in. The next point in there was slow to be angry. Slow to be angry. How many I have seen in the last two years mild-mannered people become angry who normally would never be angry? And you look at them and you say, what is going on internally? And Linda and I were down in Stony Brook, and we love this little coffee shop, and we're in there, and I thought this is great. This is not what the verse is talking about, but I love this. I do yoga. I burn candles. I drink green tea. And I still want to smack somebody. I love that. But that's not what the verse is talking about. It's, a, it's an anger when someone's speaking about the word of God and inside, it, it hits your heart and mind and soul, and you start to, you, you don't even really ascertain it, but you start to get a little angry. You start to get a little like, hmm, I don't like that. And, and it's a slow burn. It's not you want to smack somebody. It's a smoldering anger. Proverbs 6, uh, 16.32, whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty. Everybody wants to be mighty. Everyone wants to be strong. Do you know if you take your anger and you throw it in the garbage, you are mightier. You are mightier than most people. It says, whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Proverbs 16, 32. So quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry produce maturity and righteousness. You know, if we remember back from the first sermon that I did about two, two ago, it says, verse 2, Consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. In verse 20, in chapter 1, it says, For a man's anger does not bring about the righteousness of God. We need to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. And this will produce 
maturity and righteousness in your life. The next one is receive God's word. In verse 21, it says, Therefore, ridding yourselves of all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness in humility, receive the word of God implanted, which is able to save your soul. Again, another version. So throw off all spoiled virtue and cancerous evil in the garbage. In simple humility, let the gardener God landscape you with the word making a salvation garden of your life. The idea here that James has is to rid yourself of filthy, dirty, disgusting clothes. Obviously evil that is in our hearts and our minds and our souls. I also, I think of my brother Mike. We're 11 months apart and uh, we're super close. And he tells a story about he works for a utility company. And um, he has to go into a lot of people's homes. And one particular time he goes into a home and not just one, probably like five or six or seven apartments, and he realizes not too long that there's cockroaches all over the place, like all over. So my brother comes home, and he could feel them as he's driving an hour home in the van. He could feel them crawling up. They're not, but he feels them. He feels them all over his clothes. He gets in. He opens the garage door. He closes the garage door, and he strips himself off of all his clothes and he destroys every single one of them. That's what James is talking about. And my sister-in-law got a shock when he opened the door and ran in with nothing on. But that's what he's talking about. He's talking about getting rid of everything that is evil. Do you have something? Do you have something in your heart and your soul and your mind that's getting in the way when you open God's word? Is something there that you know you need to confess to God and ask him to forgive you? You know, I, I recently just deleted HBO Max, Netflix, and Showtime off my phone. Not because I was doing anything bad. I mean, they were all free. I'm a cheapo. I'm like, this is free. I don't know how they did it, but they gave me these apps. I'm like, woohoo, I'm not paying for them. But then I realize I'm spending all my time watching stuff that's getting in the way of me reading the Bible, getting in the way of me praying. Some of the shows are okay. Some of them are absolutely horrible. But I got rid of them. As of yet, I have not put them back on. But think of what Keith Schwamm read this morning. It says, let the words of your mouth and the meditation of your heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. We need to humbly receive God's word. Think of what it was said to the Pharisees. You brood of vipers. They knew scripture. They knew back, front, ways, upside down, could Say it in their sleep. Do you want God to say you brood of vipers? We need to be humble and to receive it. And then you think about the word that it's implanted. In verse 18, it's talking about salvation. Here it's talking about sanctification. The word keeps us through the Holy Spirit, keeps us going with God. Keeps growing us more and more and more and more like Jesus. The word implanted, I think of my wife. She, without implanted corneas in her eye, would be blind right now. But she has these corneas transplanted, implanted into her eye. Without the word of God, you cannot see. You cannot spiritually see. We need to have the word implanted. Listen to Colossians 3. 
Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming, and these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. HBO, Netflix, whatever the other one I said, the world that we know, this describes it to a T. Thessalonians 2.13, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is able to work in you believers. The last point, do God's word well. But prove yourselves, verse 22, doers of the word and not just hearers who deceive themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten the person who he was. But the one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of freedom, and has continued in it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an active doer, this person will be blessed in what he does. I have been sort of hammering home the idea that the word of God is a mirror. There's a story of a man who loved to go to museums. <laughs> he loved to act like a critic. He wasn't a, you know, an artist, he wasn't a critic of paintings or anything, but he would go up to the paintings and he would stand there and say, oh, this is wonderful, and it's from this period, it's from that period, and he would like it that people would be like, oh my gosh, this guy knows what he's talking about. So he comes up to one one day and he's looking at it and he goes, oh my gosh, what a horrible frame, and the subject is so ugly and shabby. What was the artist thinking? His wife is like running through the museum to try to get to him, and there's a crowd around him, she's like, He's looking in a mirror. And I left out the most important part of the story. I'm glad you laughed, but I forgot to tell you that he was nearsighted and left his glasses at home. Even It's even more funny then. But the word of God is a mirror to our hearts and our souls and our minds. The other thing about it is it says don't be deceived. Don't be deceived that you read God's word and then you don't do it. What is that? And, and I think about my Weight Watcher app. I've been heavy, and I've been not so heavy. And I've tried Weight Watchers, and I go on it, and I, and I do the points. I think I'm a green right now. They came out with blue, but I didn't like blue. And then they did something else, and I was like, all right, now I'm green. And I get so many points. And, and, and what you have to do, super simple. I ate a banana, it's zero. I ate a Big Mac, it's 150 points. I don't know, something crazy. I only get like 25 a day. I don't know. But anyway, points. If I do not track what I'm eating every day, and I'm paying money to them, I see it, it comes out of my bank account, I pay them. And in my app, I looked at it, and I tracked, and I said, wow, look at that. All the times I didn't track, I ballooned up. It's worthless for me to pay Weight Watchers money when I'm not using the app. 
Why would I do that? But I think I've been doing it for about 30 years. If I calculated all the money I've paid, it's worthless. That's what it's like if you are holding the Bible in your hand and you are reading it and it says, forgive your brother, and you say, that's wonderful, and then you walk around, I hate my brother, that's worthless. You do not want to be called, like in the Bible, I've said this before, a brood of vipers, people who just are saying, we know the word of God, but not following it. True religion, verse 26. If anyone thinks himself to be religious, yet does not bridle his tongue, his tongue uh, bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this person's religion is worthless. Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of God, the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress. And I thought of this about bridling the tongue, that it's so important to make sure you're not saying things to people that tear them down. We're supposed to be lifting people up. And we're supposed to be doing it by what we're learning in the Bible. And I thought of this at work. We have a bathroom. Do you know that bathroom has a lock on it? And that lock is very, very important. But our lock is broken. That is not a good thing. Because more than once, somebody goes into the bathroom, someone forgets there's no lock on it, and then the door opens. That's embarrassing. That's horrible. That's like not having a lock on your tongue. Not having a lock on what you're saying is embarrassing for the person that you're talking to. It's embarrassing for you. It's not a good thing. And people, I will tell you, I could remember things that were said to me. I'm 56, so I'm going back to like I was 10, 11, 12. I remember. And why is it that I remember all the bad things? Because I know good things have been said to me. But I remember the bad. You need to bridle your tongue. James 3, 2 to 6. You all know this. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and sets on fire, and is set on fire by hell. This was, this point that I'm going to share now is probably the most important point that I learned when I was going through this about helping people about helping people, talking about true religion. It talks about orphans and widows. Do you know the simple, simplest point that came up with this? It was that when you help other people that can't repay you, it's exactly what Jesus did for us. I can't repay God for dying, Jesus dying on the cross and being raised from the dead. I could try. It's not going to work. When we help other people, we are being selfless, not self-centered, and that's what God is talking about. It is so cool when you do it. What good is it, James 2, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works, can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in food, and the one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm, be filled, without giving them the things that they need for their body, what good is it? And you know, I was so convicted. There's a situation in my life that I realized over the years, not exactly like this, but something like that. I'm like, oh my gosh. I had to ask God to forgive me. Because I could say, praying for you. 
And that's great. We should pray for each other. But practically, we should be helping people who can't help themselves. In conclusion, and again, thinking about the word of God as being a mirror. And as you can tell, I like movies. I like kid movies. I don't know why. But who doesn't know Snow White? Who doesn't know Mirror, Mirror on the Wall? Who is the fairest of them all? The queen wanted to know because she knew that that mirror would tell her the truth. See, the mirror didn't lie. And the mirror said, you, O queen, are the fairest. And she had that all the time until one day. Until one day she goes to the mirror and the mirror says, fair queen, you are the, not the fairest. Oh my gosh, you know what the queen did? That's okay. I've had my time. I'm willing to give this up. Somebody else should have it. No. She sent someone to take her liver and her heart. You know that's semi-loosely based on some true stories in Germany in the 1700s? This actual talking mirror that they had is so amazing that you could talk into a mirror and they had this device on it. Believe it or not, in the 1700s, true story, you could talk to it and it would mimic back what you said. And there was a queen who did not like her stepchildren at all. And she would stand in front of this mirror and she would talk to it. And there's a little sign that says, Amor Propre, which means self-love. That's not how we should be. We should love ourselves because God has fearfully and wonderfully made you. That's why we should love ourselves. Not because we're great. Trust me, we're not. Jesus is to be our guide. And we are to love him more than anything. You know, I was um, rollerblading this morning, which I probably shouldn't do anymore because I'd probably, like, break my hip or something. But um, I love David Crowder. I don't know if you listen to music or if you like David Crowder. And he has this great song, Good God Almighty. I love it. If, if you want to rollerblade, get a helmet and just cruise down, get on your bike and listen to the song. It is amazing. But this is one part it says, I'm not going to do it justice because it's just better when he does it. Praise him in the morning. Praise him in the noontime. Praise him when the sun goes down. Love him in the morning. Love him in the noontime. Love him when the sun goes down. I don't know why now that's happening. Um, We are to be saturated with God. So in closing, I just want everyone to pick up a Bible in front of you or pick up your Bible or get it on your app on your phone. I'll give you a second. And go to Philippians chapter 2. thought it was appropriate to end with scripture, especially scripture that points us to Jesus, our Lord and Savior. So we just take a moment and just be quiet before God. Therefore, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, 
of any affection and compassion. Make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility consider one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus, who, as he already existed in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a bondservant and being born in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance of a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, death on the cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, and those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Heavenly Father, we ask and we thank you and we praise you that you help us to listen to your word, to receive your word, and to do your word. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.